a young woman yesterday who I consider um, a niece to me, and and we were sharing some things, and and she said, "Oh, it's impossible for me to relax." So she's <laughs> affirming, "It's impossible for me to relax." I said, okay, and we had just been talking about the power of the word. So I said, here's a perfect one. Just what can you change in that? And, and she kind of worked at it. I said, can you believe that in the past, it's been impossible for you to relax, but as of right now, you're cha- making changes to that it's possible for you to relax. Believe in the possibility. Right. Yeah, I can believe that. Welcome everybody. To the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebil Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Power and Effects of Words. And I have a conversation today with Trish Kruger. And I've known Trish for about 10 years or so. Uh, Our sons used to hang out with each other as young teenagers. And Trish is also a fellow therapist. She is dual licensed as a professional counselor and also a clinical addiction specialist. And Trisha's counseling process includes solution-focused behavior therapy, mindfulness, and person-centered thinking. Trish is also trained in trauma-informed care and motivational interviewing. And you can check out more about Trish in the show notes, or you can go to blueridgetrex.com. And we talk about how powerful words can be. You know, we use them a lot. And yet sometimes we don't think about some consequences of using certain words or, of course, the positive influence that it can have. As a therapist, sometimes those words make people feel good. Other times they can inflame a situation and lead to personal stress and arguments. Also, when you use a word, it can instantly pull an association that you have tied to that word from the past. And those associations then influence the present moment, which of course includes the feelings of the people that hear those words. We tell stories from our professional life and also our personal life of the profound impact that words can have on yourself and also on your relationships. And of course, most people know it, but I don't think that we are as conscious and intentional in understanding the words that we use. You know, I love the saying that when you put letters together to make a word, you call that spelling. And I think that we can literally put a spell on somebody in some way, right? If I tell somebody, oh, you are wonderful, you are beautiful, you are inspiring, there's a certain feeling that they can feel about themselves. Or I can tell them, you are awful. You are so judgmental. And there's a certain feeling that comes with that aspect of putting those words on them. Sure, you can have good boundaries about whether you let that impact you or not. But it is interesting, isn't it? They call it spelling. 
So before we get on to the conversation, a little bit of a housekeeping. Those of you that are listening on Apple Podcasts would love if you would leave a review. And also, if you would like to support the podcast, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com. Click support the podcast page. You can leave a one-time donation or a recurring donation. It will be greatly appreciated. And if you would like to leave a relationship question that I can answer on a future podcast, you can go to the same website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on the podcast page, scroll down, click on the button to leave a voice message, and I may answer that question on a future podcast. So, okay, I hope you enjoy the power and effects of words. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. All right. Hey, Trish. Hey, Prepo. Thanks for coming and making this beautiful drive on Sunday, this crisp Sunday that you came out and we had lunch. And uh, so thanks so much for wanting to take the time to talk about a really powerful subject, the power of words and how it affects relationships. And us being in the same business as, as therapists, we know how so important the power of words are for people in, in their individual growth and their awareness of themselves and, and of course, how they relate to, to other people. So thanks. Oh, right thank on. you. Thanks for asking me out here and for helping me be part of speaking about this like you said, very important topic that I've seen change my life and, and many of the clients I work with. Hmm. What is, stuff. When you think of some of the past changes in, in your own life, I mean, one really cool thing is you and I come from, we grew up in the Detroit area and mm-hmm. we have so many things in common of being in the corporate world before we were therapists and, and we grew up in a blue collar town that uh, had a lot of certain energies mm-hmm. and, and certain words that, that were used that were really powerful. And I know I grew up with a, some thought processes around, you know, people would say, you're working hard. You're working hard? Mm-hmm. And that would mean like, you know, you're supposed to work hard. Mm-hmm. And I remember sometimes I'm like, Man, how about if I'm doing all right, if I'm not, can I not work hard? <laughs> you know, just like coast with work, would uh, that be okay? Yeah, not a message we got. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. A lot of sarcasm. Too. That yeah. was a, a way of life. Mm-hmm. The more sarcastic one was, the the more they were paid attention to, the more you know power maybe they felt. I'm not sure. And that's something too with like sarcasm. People would say, "Oh, I didn't mean that." I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't have Tourette's, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like you know, you you just weren't blurring out. There was some part of you that meant what you just said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for us, the the one of those four agreements of being impeccable with your word, mm-hmm. how important it is to be able to be conscious of the words that we're using. Yes. What are some of the things in your past that brought up for the awareness how you really wanted to emphasize how important words were? Yeah, well, what's coming to me right now to respond to that is, um, you know, my first kind of entry into the healing r- world was um, when I was pregnant with my first child and uh, became aware there was something wrong in my marriage because as I pulled away from our 
typical um, life, which included a lot of drinking, which, again, pretty common in the cold Michigan climate. Um, a lot of heavy drinking was common. But as I stopped that and, you know, was bringing um, my pregnancy into healthiness, my my husband continued to kind of drink heavy, pass out in the chair. I went to a therapist, and the therapist heard my story and and pretty quickly was able to suggest that it sounded like he may have addiction and sent me to um, some books and some and an Al-Anon meeting. And that's when I, you know, I think the 12 steps really was one of the things that helped me pay attention to, you know, what I have power of and what I don't. The serenity prayer, it was really an important part of me thinking about my words and how I use them and how I project my own power. So that really woke me up to it. And in that process, I I actually sought out a healer and she she was a, somewhat of a psychic, but a, also, you know, a therapeutic emotional healer. And she gave me an affirmation that said, Something like, um, I am serene, successful, healthy, kind, loving, and listed these things that I, I needed to remind myself of. So I started practicing that that prayer, that affirmation on a daily, many times a day, and it started locking in a new belief system for myself. So kind of fast forward, I guess, the other thing I would say is um, a strong personal experience. I I had about seven, almost eight years ago now, my son had a traumatic brain injury, and it changed my life. He wasn't expected to live, and that's how serious it was. Um, He did live, and it's considered a medical miracle, um, and yet he has long-term kind of emotional dysregulation and, and challenges with that. So I've had to really pay attention to how I communicate with him because, you know, if something feels upsetting, it turns into a, a pretty difficult situation. So I consider him my teacher mm. and So in that way, you got to be so conscious of the energy behind the words yes. as well as, you know, you can't control how he, how he takes it, but you can mm-hmm. very much control, am I sending out really in the way that gives him the opportunity to receive it the way that I'm intending absolutely Hmm. yeah yeah because that's a another part of people's uh, belief systems you know we were just talking downstairs is how a thought that people think over and over and over Mm -hmm. is a belief system Mm -hmm. and then if we want to change the belief system then we just change a thought and think that over and over again yes and how did that play around um situation they had with your son hmm well you know my belief system that i've worked on i could i could look at it from the challenges i see him in but i'm going to focus on more of the challenges um, because i can speak to that obviously very personally so i've had to take the belief system that i acquired like you said from this hard-working blue-collar upbringing that you know you've got to be productive and get on it and take care of things. And, you know, if, they, if things start falling apart, you get right back in there and start fixing it. He's not able to do that. So I've had to, um, I've had to kind of change this belief system where I notice inside myself, it's rising up and it's rising up out of fear. So immediately I've have to look at where is this thought rooted? Thought is word. It's unspoken word. Perception is not word, but thought is word. 
So if I, in that thought process, oh my God, he's going to, he's not going to be able to make it and he's going to be here, you know, living in my house the rest of his life and he hates that. And this is, I just start spinning out. So I, I arrest that. I stop that. Yeah. And like you said, the, the, your, your body is, is feeling those thoughts because mm-hmm. it's spoken in, in an unspoken word. Yeah. So your body is really thinking that and yes. sound like. So if I come at him with that, I'm, I'm even trying to calm down. Well, I need to say it in a way that's, you know, I'm calmed down. He feels the energy. He's, he's incredibly perceptive. So mm. <laughs> again, such a great teacher for me because he's like, mom. Uh, I need you to just back off because I can feel your fear and I got this, you know. So, so yeah, I've just had to kind of deeply look at my inner belief system. And, you know, as I became a therapist, which was ironically the year, first uh, year of my grad school training, uh, I completed and then he had the accident. So I really believe that I was being given this, uh, this training to mm. not only help many people but to help my my own family first and foremost my son especially um, myself i'll say especially but yeah as i started learning more about brain science and understanding that you know every single belief every pattern that we have is a belief system that started as an experience an experience happened and if that experience was repeated we began telling ourselves a story about that and 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 as that neuropathway, that story got deeper and deeper grooved into our, our brain, we developed a pattern. Yeah. Like, for instance, if a teacher told a kid that they were stupid, mm-hmm. that kid then internalized, I'm stupid. Yes. And that over and over and mm-hmm. over, that I am powerful, two words, exactly. I am stupid. Or we talked about earlier, people calling each other, you're lazy, mm-hmm. or you're a slob. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, you woke up late today at 10 o'clock instead of saying that you're lazy. But when we internalize, I am a slob, I am lazy, I am stupid, mm-hmm. those neural pathways work in an automatic unconscious groove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what we're doing is we're identifying that belief is I'm, I need to be right about that because what the central nervous system, our, our, like, our ego part of us that wants to survive at all costs wants to be right because we really want to be safe. That's the baseline is I want to be safe. And when I'm right, I feel safe. When I'm wrong, I feel unsafe. So we are looking for evidence constantly. How do we, how do we prove that we are right? And if our belief is I'm lazy, that's what was perpetuated to me. Or it could even be on the flip side being told, you know, Oh, you're a good girl when you did that, or you're a good boy when you did that. So, oh, I have to do this in order to be good, we can look at it that way too. That's right. It's harder to kind of identify those as, as like, uh, you know, patterns that we may want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you know, if that behavior is keeping us from, let's say, living a balanced life, then, then we need to really, you know, look at that belief system and say, you know, okay, it feels comfortable when I do this thing that I've been told I'm a good girl or I'm a good woman to do, but can I be uncomfortable and, and do it a different way to create a new neural pathway that leads me to the life that I want to live? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good girl and so forth. Then people stop. A woman would stop speaking her truth because mm-hmm. if she said something, she'd be considered a bitch or something, right? Exactly. And not yeah. a good girl. So yeah. reinforcing that, I've got to certain state, say certain things or not say certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I think with men too, some of the gender aspects of using more vulnerable words, or let's say mm-hmm. more feminine energy words, you know, we consider that weakness. And yes. instead of a, tr- it's a tremendous amount of strength when I hear another man say, "Yeah, I really want to speak from my heart. This mm-hmm. came from my heart, or I'm, I'm moved." You know, when they start talking from an emotional sense, it's not a weak aspect. But a lot of men grow up with that belief system, and they mm-hmm. say that, and they start using words like sissy and other things, right? Yes. Calling men that are in their their heart space. Yeah, and oh, can I really hear that? My son has dealt with that. You know, he is a sensitive person and feels things, and he's been given that message and, you know, struggles with that. And then having a mom who, you know, kind of I am a strong woman, outspoken woman, it's, you know, giving this message, you know, it's okay to speak about what you're feeling in your heart. Yeah, there's a this is a time in, in their generation I'm hoping is the one that begins shifting that mm. that paradigm and that that like collective consciousness neuropathway, so right. to speak. Yeah. yeah. We get so much of our conditioning from the collective, not just from our parents. Yeah. I mean in a conversation earlier you were talking about where some of the experience to spur this podcast when you and Rainbow were at a gathering and mm-hmm you overheard somebody say the shit's going to hit the fan mm-hmm. many and, times right <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah people out there are saying yeah the shit's hitting the fan but mm-hmm. that's a collective belief system and yes mm-hmm. there is part of that as reality mm-hmm. but there is also a whole another reality that people mm-hmm. are also live in every day people are thriving they are connecting they are loving yeah. and we have to be really careful from a societal collective conscious mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. is that we want to create because the words are so powerful Absolutely. So how, how do you work with people about like not denying that the shit's hitting the fan, but mm-hmm. reframing something like that? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, and it's such an important one. So I, I, I use CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, kind of as a as a backbone of my work. Um, what I've learned, though, is that there's needs to be this step in what's called, you know, the thought stopping, thought reframing is the classic CBT. You notice a destructive thought. Destructive, you know, in this context is is just anything that tears us down, anything that brings us down versus constructive, anything that builds us up. So destructive thoughts, we notice it, we first have to be aware. So step one is awareness. Step two is the decision, I want to stop this thought. And that can be harder than we think because yeah. those destructive thoughts give us some kind of like weird, powerful feeling, you know? It tastes good in some way. Yeah, right? like we, they're vengeful <laughs> sometimes. They're spiteful and they just, you know, they're, they're, they want to be right. Yeah. You know, this person did me wrong or this politician did me, the whole world wrong and I want to be pissed about it. So, we, you know, we kind of have to decide I'm going to stop this. So once that's done, I always really suggest to people bring a little action into that. And I just suggest people kind of tap their leg and just, oh, there's that thought. I'm aware of it. And I want to stop that. And then if we bring that physical action into it, anytime we slap our leg or whatever it is, maybe it's snap our finger. Some people pull a rubber band on their wrist. Yeah, we're we're bringing in that active state, which is even, you know, one step powerful more than the word. So, you know, bring some kind of action in. And then the piece I think is so important is that moment of understanding and compassion to the self that's having the thought. Because yeah. the thought shit's hitting the fan. 
is a person that's feeling scared. And there's reason for it. Whatever the experience is that led to that thought, we've got to give ourselves compassion. And I think classic CBT kind of skips right from the stop to the reframe. Right. And that we're missing that piece. Yeah. So I emphasize that oh, so, glad, so much. So glad you're saying that because self-compassion to me is so, so important yes. and vital. And I weave it in a lot of my podcast of that's going to be the important aspect, not only of change, but if we can't be tender to ourselves, mm-hmm. I, I, we can't expect anybody else. So we're going to be looking for it. We got to give that yeah. love to ourselves, that yeah. that loving parent voice. Yes. So you talk about when a correction comes in to be able to have that self-compassion, not not judge the judger right? yes. in, in there. Yes, yeah. mm. yes. I'm glad you bring Good that metaphor. up to your Yeah, and I, I actually kind of help people see the part of themselves that 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 belief originated in at the age they were, you know, how they felt and and let that part of them feel heard. That's what we all want. Anybody yeah. who's afraid wants to be heard. You know, if our clients came in and started telling us their fears and we just said, "Oh yeah, okay, well, you know, just stop that. Let that go. Here everything's going to be fine over here." They wouldn't come back. Right. They come because we give them a chance to feel heard and we're present with them and and that's so rare in our culture. Yeah. So we give that to ourselves. And then I, I ask them to picture themselves as a wise elder. And I believe that we have every period of our life, that that version of ourselves within us. But I also believe we have our wise elder and all that's going to come after this moment in us too. Yeah. So they picture that wise man or that wise woman sitting with that scared part of themselves and comforting them. And you work with like 20-somethings a lot, right? I do, yeah. So do you do you fast forward and say like, hey, picture yourself 40 years from now, yes. close to your deathbed. Yes. You got wisdom now. What would you say to yourself mm-hmm. now? Do you, yeah. I do. Great. Yeah. Mm. And it's powerful. They can, they, I mean, they, I, every time I, I believe, I don't, I can't think of a time that, Someone has said, I can't do that. I can't envision that. They just can see themselves and they, and they, I can just watch their body language just ease off. And then I say, what, what, what would the, your wise elders say to this part of you? And they're able to, to give all the, the great stuff that somewhere Mm -hmm. along the way they learned, like, you know, I know this is hard and and it, it feels scary and I really, you know, I'm here for you and I'm. I think it's going to be okay, but just let me, you know, I want you to know I'm here for you. First and foremost, we just want to know someone's got our back. And even if it's our inner wise elder, that is, you know, the the inner self doesn't even distinguish necessarily between that that wise elder and an, a real person coming in the room. That's right. It's nice if it's a physical person in the external world, but the central nervous system responds, I believe, just as strongly to that inner elder that we all carry. Yeah, and in partnership, if we're we're not doing that by ourselves and expecting our partner to be the wise person, oh, one, when they yeah. are, we don't want to listen to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's so important that in, in relationships that people are doing that themselves, bringing in their own wise self, mm-hmm. regulating their own self, having those awarenesses yes. and compassion so they can do that on a certain level in the relationship, but they don't expect the other person to oh, do that. so important. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a big part of the work I do with couples. First and foremost, you're responsible for yourself. That other person didn't make you feel that way. That's one big word phrase that I help right. people change right. a that, lot. That, he that, made that me feel so 
mad, you know. Yeah, so people, when you're using that powerful word that mm-hmm. they made me mm-hmm. do that, that powerful sentence, you're automatically going to the victim chair. Yes, you're handing over your personal power. Right. Yep. Yeah. So how do you reframe that for people? So, um, well, yeah, and that one I would... I would help. So yeah, here comes the reframe part. So now we've had the compassion to self and we've had some ease of the, of the emotion of the trigger. And now we're reframing. Okay. Now our wisdom is going to reframe this thought to take it from destructive to constructive. So with a, I made, he made me feel, or she made me feel a certain way. I asked people to, um, to own the feeling that their, that their action Name the action. Name it as a fact, like I'm a journalist and I'm reporting this action. When you did X, it brought up this feeling in me. That is my work to do. It surged this anger, and I'm looking at where that's coming from and what's going on. And in the meantime, if you could do something differently when this comes up and then name it, make a specific request, that would help me work on my my thing. That's how people then use it in, in coordination and partnership mm-hmm. to help each other in that yeah. way. Yeah. And you know, that can go with parent, child, brother, sister, friend, friend, whatever the, you know, the relationship conflict is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that you're saying that so well, when you want to really name the experience, you know, when you turned around, when I was talking to you, I felt a lot of anger come up. Mm-hmm. You name the experience like a video camera can pick it up yep. as opposed to, again, you made me angry because you ignored me. Yeah, We're telling that person, we're giving them all the experience of how we're feeling instead yeah. of we owning how it came up and the realizations of where it came from. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So important yeah. and so powerful. You yeah. know, I see people play that out in front of me and, and just watch the difference in, in the understanding. Now the person that's hearing, you know, when you did this, it brought up in me and I'm struggling with that. And then, you know, the the agreement really with our loved ones is that we're going to help each other with yeah. our with our tough stuff of life. So if we name it that this is my tough stuff I'm working on and I I could use your help in this way, and if I ask a reasonable request and you can do that for me without it hindering your you know, truth, then, then sure, that person wants to show up and help in that way. But if they feel judged and, you know, they're, they're judged, tried and convicted before they've even had a chance to say what their piece was, then of course they're going to back down, you know, be defensive and not want to help. I I love that aspect of help that we're in this relationship to help each other instead of Mm -hmm. you're the enemy because you're making me angry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I use that, you're making me do something. You're my adversary. Yes. You're not, we're not working in coordination for healing and Mm -hmm. care for each other. Mm -hmm. Another word that I think is so powerful that people use constantly is the word should. Oh yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. to me, that's a very violent word. Mm -hmm. It has this connotation of, um, I'm almost like attacking either myself or the other person. I have a real black and white of what reality is. It's yeah. this way mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to using a different framing than, than mm-hmm. should. And and when I, I like to utilize the somatic aspects of should for people because sometimes what happens when people from a somatic standpoint, when they have let's say shoulder injuries, I asked them, what's the shoulds in your life? S-H-O-U-L-D, right? Mm-hmm. And because should has a way of burdening. And how do we hold our burdens? We shoulder our burdens. Yes. And so that's a really interesting coordination that when we're using shoulds a lot, how does the burden 
is happening in our body? Are we mm-hmm. thinking of a lot of burdens as yeah. opposed to the other possibilities of it could mm-hmm. instead of you should? Mm-hmm. I would appreciate it. it would be nice if you, what if you did instead of you should go to this movie, you should talk this way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good point. And, and then shooting on ourselves too is yeah. another piece. You know, I hear so Shame. many of my clients saying, you know, they, they've, maybe they have a goal to create a meditation practice and they, they say, I should meditate more. And I say, you're shooting on yourself. That's How right. about you get to meditate more? Mm. So when I, they change should to get to, it becomes a privilege. Mm. It becomes an honor and a choice. Because there's a shaming voice yes. with that should. That's and, so shaming. Yes. And yeah. talk about a collective, you know, cultural collective consciousness thing. Those shoulds are are shaming voices from all different angles. Mm. And and yeah, then and we take the power to shift that to I get to or I could do that. It's a it's a major and beautiful word change that can can change someone's life dramatically. It, I, I just had this flash of how drastically I changed this thought process of a word. Um, Xander and I were were skiing in, in Montana one year, and we went for a few hours up and down the, the mountain, and I realized on a chairlift that my my ticket was gone. My chairlift ticket was gone, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, man, what's going to happen? Like They're going to look, and they're going to throw me out. I paid in cash. I don't have a receipt to get it back, and and I'm like, I lost the ticket. I kept, I lost it. And Santa looks at me and he said, well, dad, maybe you'll find it. And I'm like, <laughs> you naive little like 17 year old, look where we are. I'm going to find it on this mountain that I've already skied for the last couple hours. And just when I was getting off of the chairlift, the idea of possibly finding mm-hmm. it came into my mind. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting off the chairlift and just the possibility, excitement of, what if I found this yeah. and I'm skiing down the hill and I hit some powder, powder comes up and this white blue thing <gasps> flies up and I snatch it in my hand. Oh, it's my chairlift prepo. ticket. No. Yes. I'm telling you, I carry that sucker in my wallet and I play the lottery <laughs> numbers based on those <laughs> numbers. It was, it, it totally guess. shifted yeah. a perception of, you know, how if I shift from, lost and I'm never going to find it yes. to the possibility and the universe gave me this bingo magic moment to oh, say yeah, yeah that's a good thought to have man. and yeah. I looked at Xander and he's like yeah good, good. Like, like it was no big yeah. deal to him like cool you found it <laughs> <laughs> I can see him yeah. doing that yeah. that's beautiful mm-hmm. yeah that that's a that's a good one my my son we whenever um, my former husband Will used to say he he always was losing things and he would say i can't find it i can't find it. i lost it and my son would come along and go i'll find it because in his head the whole time he's going i'll find it and and people always would tell him you're a good finder you mm. find things so well and he would go out into a meadow where somebody lost a little something and he would find it mm. that's that is because that's what he was saying that's what yes. he was visualizing because he's proving to himself his belief is I'm a good finder and he's going to prove that. So he's able to see where somebody who couldn't find it said that I can't find it. It's lost. Yeah. Could be looking right over it. Right. Yeah. So that's so powerful to have that. I know in partnership when I tell people, how, what kind of partner do you want to be? If you yeah. want to be a patient partner, a compassionate partner, 
a forgiving partner, you have to see yourself be that in your daily life. Yeah. All the circumstances to give you opportunities to do that. Yeah. So in some way, that's a lot of people see themselves, oh, I'm impatient. Or they take an internalization maybe from their partner's criticism. I'm a mm -hmm. bad partner and so forth. Instead of really visualizing the partner that you want to be yeah. and the power of those words. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a patient partner. I'm a kind. When I, when I say to myself, yeah, I know I'm kind. Yeah. I start seeing myself in memory of kind acts that I did and knowing mm -hmm. the future kind acts that mm -hmm. I can be. And so it's really powerful, the imprint that we're giving ourselves when we're saying who we are. Absolutely. Yeah, that's bringing to mind, um, you know, a lot of the 20-somethings I work with, you know, there's, as we have been told, you know, from the media and all this research, the, this generation has really got a, some different challenges that we did not face. The economy being what it is and, you know, some of the projections of, of things, you know, there's a lot that they contend with. So, you know, a, a perpetuating belief in that gener from a generational perspective is, I'm not going to be able to get a good job. I'm not going to be able to buy a house. I'm not. I can't right. get it together. I can't. I can't figure this out. You know, and nothing's going right. Nothing's going my way. Again, it's not like, oh, that's a bad thought. You need to change that because that's then, you know, oh, there's more shame on that. Now I got to add that. I'm, right. I'm scared and I'm doing it wrong. It's like, yeah, I can see how you could have that thought. There's a lot of things right now that are big challenges and especially in your generation. And then I turn it around. I say, and you know what I see about your generation? You all are not going to do it the same way right. that your parents and grandparents did because you saw selling souls to your work and you saw people living in balanced lives you know week after retirement grandpa dies of a heart attack that that right. how many times have we heard those stories i see your generation doesn't have a blueprint for how to do it differently but you're making one and i for one am grateful because mm -hmm. we need to all be living a balanced life yeah you're not lazy you're you're seeking to live a balanced life you may be uh unsure and right. so you lay on the bed and play a video game instead of going out and doing what your parents and grandparents did. But I believe the, the, the positive force that you're bringing our world is like, we're not doing it that way. And right. now we are cleaning up rivers and we're rafting down them instead yeah. of going to bars and, you know, eating hot wings and drinking cheap beer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There, there are people that are so critical of the younger generation, and I am so hopeful. The young people that I meet and the consciousness of just how they're communicating with each other and their desire of what they want in the future. So I know that there's, there's all realities, but that's part of it too. How it do is. we want to see the reality? Yeah. And to be able to, again, reinforce that to, to younger generation, to make them see yeah. that part of themselves. Yeah. That's oh, so it, important. It is so important. Yeah. And I just see their bodies just rise up, you know, and their shoulders pick up and they're like, wow, I've never heard an adult from your, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm 55. I'm their parents' age, so I'm telling them this very different perspective. Yeah. And if they're told, you know, your generation's lazy, your generation's this, your generation's yeah. that, of they're looking for, you know, ways to prove that prove because Reinforce in some there. some strange way that feels safer. Yeah. Yeah. And and they, they so then I've seen, you know, so now let's look how what things have worked out. 
what is what's a small avenue that you think you could take that is doable and they and then they start making very small doable goals and again that goes back to the word when we make these small goals that they're doable and therefore when i come back and check in with the, my therapist you know i check in with trish next week and i say yeah, I did that small goal. I didn't think it was a big deal when I said it, but I'm able to now say I did it and I feel this surge of energy and now I can take another small goal and eventually leads to the big goal being yeah. accomplished. Mm -hmm. So parents out there, you know, try to really have the consciousness of being aware of what it is that you're reinforcing the future yeah. for, for your children. Yeah. We talked about earlier how important it is for parents to use words like, I'm sorry, yeah. you know? It's so imperative that at a young age that we're instilling the opportunities for also inspirational teaching through something like apologizing, but saying, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, and really feeling it and having remorse. Mm -hmm. Those words are so powerful. Mm -hmm. I know I've had clients that, whether it's partnership or family, that holding resentments and anger and over years and years, and when mm -hmm. one of them might say that, just the release or the holding when I hear, I never heard I'm sorry from my father for what he said or what he did. Mm -hmm. Those words are so powerful, mm -hmm. and parents just don't understand that it's okay to yes. say it. You're not, you're not getting knocked down off of some pedestal that yeah. you think that you should be on about that you shouldn't uh, take responsibility and it's not weak. Yeah, you're so. actually modeling for them how to make true amends. Right. And amends, I, I kind of distinguish apology and amends by by apology being kind of that, what you were saying, that kind of unfelt, I'm sorry, amends is... I'm sorry, what do you want from me? I said I'm yeah, sorry. I said I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I didn't feel it, you know? <laughs> But amends is like, man, I sat with it and right. I really saw my part in it. And, you know, I could have said that differently to my my loved one, my kid or my partner. And I still could have shared my struggle, but I, I could have said it in a way that, that didn't make you bad and wrong. Right. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that I brought that that fear and that negativity to you. Yeah, then and then that's felt and then a real conversation can take place where now we can go back to, you know, when you did X this brought up in me this this sadness or this fear and I and I took it out on you and you know and I want to change that. I want to I want to have I want help in dealing with this feeling that keeps coming back to me. Will you help me do that? Yeah. Those are two most powerful words that anybody can say to another human being too. Uh, I did a podcast on the art of apology and really stressed the, the mm. such importance of really resonating with the remorse and feeling, like you said, it's the feeling sense. Yep. And that's also what's behind what we talk about with these words is the energy and the feeling that's behind these words that people say, I didn't mean it. Like, uh, man, you're killing me, or this is killing me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't mean it, but there's a meaning and feeling yes. behind that word of it's mm -hmm. killing me. Do you yeah. really want that out there, that mm -hmm. it's killing mm -hmm. me? Yeah. Absolutely. So that felt sense behind those words are so important, and I'm sorry is one of the most yeah. healing resonance that we can have behind that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, agreed. Yeah, something that just popped into my mind. This might be a little divergence from that. Go for but, it. Um, one of the ways I use to help clients understand this power of word is I'll, I'll say to them, if I say, 
don't think of a gray, cloudy day. Do you think of a sunny day? No, your right. brain just went right to that gray sky full of clouds. That's right. So yeah. we, when we say, when we negate something as, a, you know, words, I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to feel this way. I, w- I don't want to be broke. Yeah, I don't want to be mm-hmm. broke. So, it, yeah. okay, now let's affirm the I am, which is connected right. to I am sorry. Right. You know, it's the I am. Yeah. I am. Now we're creating a new neural pathway. Yeah. Now we're going to create a new set of beliefs that we're going to look for evidence to prove. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm not broke, now I can't flip that around to I'm rich. Because no. that's not true. It's in the past, I've I've been broke. Yeah. And it, from this moment, I'm seeking opportunities to change that and create wealth and balance and, and sustenance in my life. I love to use the expression to that as what if. Like to go from instead of I'm broke to go to what if I had enough money to take care of my bills? Ooh, when yeah. I use what if, I can picture the possibility, but I'm not trying to believe I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, and I got two bucks in my bank account. Mm-hmm. What if gives me the bridge to go over, hmm, that's a possibility. Yeah. And so that's a way of reframing some aspects where we think, well, how could that ever happen? How is that real? Well, what if? And that can Beautiful. take us into that possibility. Yes, that's mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. that's it. That's and and people get that. You know, when we heard this, oh, think think positively, do the affirmations. People wanted to flip to something that isn't believable. Right. I said, you can, you know, I can say I'm the the I'm Queen Elizabeth, right. but that doesn't make that true. So you've got to believe what you're you saying. What if I was Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> go to that possibility. How would I feel if I was the Queen of England? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But yeah, that's that possibility. Then we open up to the possibility. We can believe that. Okay, I can believe. Like, actually, I was sitting with a young woman yesterday who I consider um, a niece to me, and and we were sharing some things, and and she said, oh, it's impossible for me to relax. So she's (laughs) affirming, it's impossible for me to relax. I said, okay, and we had just been talking about the power of the word. So I said, here's a perfect one. And, you know, just what can you change in that? And and she kind of worked at it. I said, can you believe that in the past it's been impossible for you to relax, but as of right now you're cha- making changes to yeah. that it's possible for you to relax. Believe in the possibility. Right. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. Everybody I've ever asked that to can say, yes, I can believe in them, even if it's a small possibility. That's right. I can believe in that. Yeah. So we have to catch that unconscious reaction that we say these things. Mm-hmm. We have to catch those and be aware and be able to also shift to the feeling of some people I don't think even want to feel the possibility of something advantageous or positive or well-being because I believe that they're afraid that it's going to go away so fast. So they don't even want to touch it. That's so, so they true. protect themselves. And, ah, I don't want to feel that good because what if it doesn't happen Then I'm going to be so disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, no, ride it out yes like like a surfer that wave is going to (laughs) come to the end but ride that sucker out because then that's the feeling that Mm -hmm. you'll be able to get more and more in that belief yes i remember somebody came with this trick one time about when i was trying to have a better attitude about money and there's a time in my life that i didn't have much money and which was really surprising after having money in my life that whole jack how to how to play with that how to work with it and i remember Somebody said, just stick a $100 bill in your wallet. 
and just always have that there because there was a thought process when I would go around. I was like, oh, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I can't that that dinner that looks so yummy and it's twenty five bucks. I can't afford that. But I was like, wait a second. Yes, I could. Uh-huh. I actually have the hundred dollar bill uh-huh. on me. I could. Now it's whether I choose to or not. Oh, whether nice. it's advantageous for me or not. Whether mm-hmm. it's appropriate and responsible for me or not. But I actually could. Yeah. And that really changed that frame a little bit of. I can't afford it. That, mm-hmm. as opposed to, wait a second. There's many things that I can't afford that I said I couldn't. Yeah. Just by having that hundred dollar bill in my pocket. So that also showed me just some understanding with a different yeah. perception of what reality is and can yeah. be and not play an old tape over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's bringing to my memory something that was a, a powerful teaching for me. Um, this was quite a while ago. I'd say, you know, about 20 years ago when I was, was getting so many teachings at that time that I'm grateful for that have led me to, you know, to, to becoming a therapist and wanting to give back. So, you know, I was given this teaching, like, that we create our reality. Okay, well, what does that mean? You know, I'm, I was a single mom at the time, and, you know, I'm compassionate. I want to change the world. I, I'm an environmentalist, of, you know, activist kind of a person. So one of the experiences I had that shifted my uh, understanding of this is I, I took my kids to this little lake, a little inland lake. I was living in the Midwest. And I, and I sat down, got the blanket out, it's this beautiful day, and I look at the edge of the water and there's trash, like, you know, just moving back and forth with the waves of the water, cans and food wrappers, and I just started thinking, God, what kind of person would come out to this beautiful place and I'm just judging the hell out of these people who I didn't even know. And I started getting this twitch in my eye. I mean, it, it was prominent. Like, I think if you'd have been there, you'd have seen my eye twitching. And I'm just, all of a sudden, you know, I'm distracted by this. Why is my eye twitching? And I, and I got this, like, download. It was like this voice said, look at it differently. This is your chance to see it differently. And I just literally, I raised my gaze up a few inches. And what I was seeing now is the tree line against the backdrop of the water and I was thinking, wow, how beautiful it is to be here. Mm. And it, the twitch stopped in an instant. Wow. And it went on for several minutes because I was spending several minutes with this pissed off person, you know, me judging the, the people who, who threw this trash in the water. So it was, it was that moment I said, okay, I get it. I didn't move my body. I didn't change my location. I just shifted my eyes. I shifted my perspective a little bit, and I was feeling now beautiful. And that trash was still there, but I was feeling beautiful. I was paying attention to the tree line. And then your words followed differently than after mm-hmm. that, right? Yes. After perception. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's another way to be able to change words is also changing perception, Mm -hmm. how we're looking at things. Yes. I know that many people look at their relationship and they're looking at the faults and the criticism of it, but they're not also focusing on, which is a huge emphasis that people know around appreciation to me is like scan the environment of what is working. It's not Pollyanna, but if you scan what is working, you can Mm -hmm. work from that. That's Mm -hmm. connection instead of seeing things broken. Oh, yes. Yes. Perfect. Mm. Yeah. I I start my sessions with a 
pretty standard check-in in the after a meditation, and in that meditation, I, I do some kind of visualization visualization to bring in gratitude, and then I kind of check in how they're feeling. But my next question is, what is working for you? Mm, automatically go there. Yeah, nice. and then so they drop into that place, you know, and and see now we know with gratitude based thinking, it's not just you know airy fairy kind of talk. It's we can look at what's happening in the brain when we are in a state of gratitude or strength based thinking. We create brain chemistry that creates a feeling of, of relaxation, of ease in our body. As soon as we start going to the deficits, what's not working, we start producing cortisol and other stress hormones that create anxiety and, and if perpetuated can also you know, lead to depression. There's brain science behind this now. And that's what I tell people that need that, you know, that clear understanding. Even if you think this is BS, here's the brain science behind it. Mm. And do it because it's true. <laughs> it's, mm. it's a fact that yeah. when you think about what's working, you will feel better. And you're here because you want less anxiety. You're trying to get help with your anxiety. This is a tool you can Absolutely. use. Pull it right out of your toolbox. Think of three things that are working for you right now. I have eyes that can see. I have 10 fingers that work. And you know maybe I have a car too, or maybe I have a roof over my head. But even if you don't, you can find three to five things you feel grateful for that improve your life. Right. And I love how you said earlier how thoughts are silent words. Yes. So you know people are probably listening. They're going, how is are, how are you distincting thoughts and words? They're they're very close to yeah. one another. The creation of of the word comes in the aspect of of a thought. We think in pictures, but we also then put them into words, and so mm -hmm. they're so interrelated. So watching your thoughts will give emphasis of how you're using your words. When you're using your words unconsciously, you really got to pause and say, "Wait a second, do I really feel or mean what it is that that just came out of my mouth? Yeah. How do I want to consciously?" And a great way to work with that is, as you just did taking a nice breath before we're gonna speak because we're gonna come from a whole different presence when we're speaking certain aspects of how we want to communicate. Yeah. And our words are gonna come out very differently. Like I just felt myself sink in, mm -hmm. talking a little slower, <laughs> maybe more intentional yeah. in that way. So that's a powerful way to be able to be in our words that mm -hmm. we find is aligned with ourselves is yeah. through the breath. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. such a powerful uh, root that, that roots us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, even just sitting here in this chair, you know, in your beautiful space, and, and you know, you, you were like, okay, we're going to get ready to record. I felt that, mm. you know, that nervousness kick in, and I took a breath, and I said, I am centered. I am grounded. I have everything in me that I, I can share, and, and that's... Instead of a thought and words that would be, I'm nervous. Yeah. I don't know if I'm capable. Yeah. Will people get what I'm trying to say? Will mm -hmm. they think that I am stupid? Mm -hmm. That's a big one, right? I'm stupid. Oh, yeah. that, that people is, came in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As, as long as I've been doing this work, I'm, I'm personally for myself and teaching it. I'll still catch myself, you know, doing some things, some, making a mistake and like, God, Trish, you're so stupid. I'm like, what? what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're still here? Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. I made a mistake. I'll admit that. Right. And I'm not stupid. Yeah. I'm smart mm -hmm. and I'm human. I made a mistake. That's what humans do. That's right. Sometimes. That's the self-compassion part that yeah. needs to totally interject to cut that off. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Wow, sweet power of words. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just I was telling you this earlier, and I wanted to get on a podcast because I want to help people out with the story that I gave about waking up in the middle of the night in pain. Oh yeah, I want people to try this one. out. Yeah, because <laughs> I would wake up. Most people in a certain age getting up wake up several times a night <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to pee, and I sometimes have a hard time falling back to sleep because as soon as a thought comes in about a checklist or something else, my mind just kind of goes. And a client of mine recently told me that he actually gets up and he starts singing something to the effect of, I'm going to pee and I'm going back to sleep. I'm going to pee, finish peeing and going back to sleep. And he just sings that over and over. And I like uh, rolled my eyes and, mm-hmm. and I tried it uh, recently. And I would pee and I say, after I pee, I'm going back to sleep. After and I'm rhyming it, I get into bed and I see, and I fall back to sleep. Oh, and it was yes. happening consistently. And also the power of that my body was believing what my mm-hmm. words were saying That's instead it. of instead of the thought of, oh, I'm not going to be able to get back to sleep if I get up. Yes. And to do it in a little bit of playful song yeah. and that the body was soft in it mm-hmm. and the rhythm of that and a kind of a, a sleepy type stage. Yeah, you kept yeah, the rhythm. I kept right the rhythm. There. So mm-hmm. people, those of you are getting up at night, just, you know, there you go. after I pee, I'm going back to sleep. Yeah, so. Now I pee and I'm going back to sleep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's amazing that you told me that story earlier and I didn't share this with you because I thought I'd save it for, for the recording. But I, last night, I woke up, you know, and I knew this was coming. And even though, again, I, I love talking about this. When I can talk to Prepo whenever I run into you, we yeah. just talk, talk, talk. So, you know, like on a pretty conscious level, I wasn't too worried about this. But, you know, that deep kind of inner self, wake up, I feel vulnerable. And I started, I, I got up to pee. <laughs> and I started thinking, oh, yeah, that recording, what if I can't go back to sleep? Oh, my God, then I'm going to be tired. And then my brain's not going to be working good. And then I am going to sound stupid. And I said, uh, 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 mm. And so I said, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. And I'm going to sleep. And I, I said, I'm going to repeat that. I'm not going to let any other thought enter my mind. And I probably got 10 of those through and I was out. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. These bodies yeah. are, you know, they're they're our our vehicle and they respond to our command. If we turn our steering wheel left in our car, we go left. If we put the brakes on, the brakes go on. We put the gas on, the gas goes on. That's I, I believe that we can use that metaphor. Our yeah. bodies are responding to the commands that we give it at, you know, headquarters. Literally head right. quarters. Yeah, yeah we, we, we're in charge. Yeah. And we haven't even got into a topic of how that helps people heal their bodies and oh, diseases, how yeah. they're thinking. And, and so just from, a, again, the focus of a relationship aspect, how you're thinking and your words that you're using about your relationship mm-hmm. in many contents has a potential to start the healing process of your relationship. Yeah. I know when I'm thinking very positive, loving thoughts about Rainbow that's how I'm seeing our partnership and I'm going to act more accordingly to that. I'll have more faith that we can work out conflict and so forth, as opposed to we don't see eye to eye. We're constantly fighting. If I'm having those thoughts, Mm -hmm. then that's what my reality is. So I think, again, I love this topic. It's so important for people to really pause and understand the power of thought and the power of words um, and how it affects our lives within ourselves and our relationships. So, yeah. I've enjoyed exchanging words with you about this. This yeah. was fun. It yeah. was a good flow. This was. Yeah. It really, 
Really digging this. Yeah. So now we can we can uh, sleep well tonight. We don't have to worry about <laughs> podcast tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Thank Trish. You. Yeah. Thanks for having me out here. Mm-hmm. Want to do it again? We'll yeah. find a cool subject. Good. Thanks. Relationships. Let's talk about it. Is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Auxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at auxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Auxbus. Thank you.